it was a catchy tune, and 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 I, I like the I like the tune, and I, I like most of the thing. But I said to myself, and I may have said it to you. I don't remember whether I did or not. But I said, but that's not a true song. That's not a true song, because there's been times in my life I have lost my praise. There's been times in my life where. I didn't understand what was going on and I didn't understand what God was doing and I didn't understand why such things happen and, and I did lose my praise and I lost my joy and I, I didn't feel like shouting and I didn't even want to go to church. Anybody ever been there? I'm just being honest. I've been brutally honest here in the last while. I might as well stay with it. Amen. Been feeling like I wasn't even a Christian, much less a preacher. And then God reminded me of something. In the book of Revelation chapter number chapter number 2. Don't go there, we're in chapter 1. But in chapter number 2, he was speaking to the church of Ephesus. And he said, "I have seen your patience, I have seen your labor." I have seen your work. I have seen all that you're doing. Man, you're not putting up with sin and you're not, uh, you're just, you're just doing a, a great job. But I have somewhat against thee. Because you have, anybody remember? You left your first love. And this is what God told me about that song, Miss Kathy. And that was off the hook, by the way. I, that's great. He said, son, you never lost it. You just left it. So how you know you didn't lose it? Because I praised him when I got up this morning. When God started showing me some things out of Revelation chapter 1 this week, Scott, I had joy. When you lose something, you don't know where it is. You don't know where to find it. But if you leave something, you can go back and pick it up. Some of you say, I ain't got no joy. That's because you left it somewhere. You probably left it with your attitude. I don't have any praise. Well, you probably left it. Hello. Say, well, I've got, you don't know what God's done to me lately. You don't know where I've been. The Bible says, Paul. Paul was beaten and thrown into the bottom of a jail for doing right. Has, anybody, has that happened to anybody lately? But at midnight, son, they broke the choir out. They got to say, what are you saying? I don't care what your circumstance. And trust me, it's been dark around my mind here lately. Satan has attacked me mentally this week more than I, I, I maybe in my ministry. I guess because he knows what we're fixing to preach and deal with. But I tell you what, in the darkest hour, he'll be the brightest light. Church, say amen. Let's preach a minute. Revelation chapter 1. Revelation chapter 1 and verse number 1. We are, uh, do I have a Bible? Can I have a Bible? Let me, uh, I, the, all right. I might need to get my Bible. Amen. Revelation 1. Now here's what we're going to do. The only way I figured out how to do this. Uh, we have we have more first timers. We have more visitors. We have more 
uh, people that are unbelievers, uh, people that are new believers, uh, people that are uh, baby Christians in, in the early service, and, or excuse me, in the morning service. And uh, so what we're going to do, as we go through the book of Revelation, we're going to preach a, 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 an outline, an application outline in the morning, and then in the afternoon, we're going to, uh, uh, we're going to be putting the meat to what we studied. Uh, this morning, we're going to talk about the presentation of the book. We're going to talk about the penman of the book, and we're going to talk about the promise of the book. Tonight, this afternoon at 4.30, I say, what time are we starting? 4.30, uh, 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 we're, going to, we're going to discuss the vision, the voice, and the victory. And I promise you, it's one of the most exciting books you'll ever study in your life. I promise you that. My word on the Bible, my hand on the Bible, it will be the most exciting book you'll ever study in your life. But we're going to preach it in the morning and teach it in the afternoon to go into more detail because we'll have more time uh, to, to go into that way. And I hope you come back. I hope you'll be with us. Uh, I've tried to figure out 14 different ways to do this so, so we can hit all aspects of the book and hit everybody that needs uh, in the way they need it so they can understand it. So that's what we're going to do. So I want you to pray for me. How many of y'all will pray for me? All right, I need, you to, I need you to stop recording for just a second. I need you to stop recording because I don't want this on the Internet. In verse number 1, the Bible says the revelation of Jesus Christ. Say that with me. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And uh, he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John who bear record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all things that he saw. Blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear the words of this prophecy, and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace be unto you and peace, and from uh, him which is and which was and which is to come, and from the seven spirits which are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ who is the faithful witness, and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth. Unto him that loved us, say amen, amen, and washed us from our sins in his own blood, and hath made us kings and priests unto God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever, amen. Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him, and all the kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him, even so, amen. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is, which was, which is to come, the Almighty. I, John, also am your brother and companion in tribulation and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was in the isle that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. That's a good thing to be in the Lord's day. And I heard behind me a great voice that is of a trumpet saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, and what thou seest, write in a book, and send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia, unto Ephesus, unto Smyrna, unto Pergamos, unto Thyatira, and Sardis, unto Philadelphia, and Laodicea. And I turned to see the voice, and spake with me, and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. And in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, and gird about uh, the paps with a golden girdle. His head and his hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire. And his feet like on the fine brass, as if they burned in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. And he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. And his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead, and he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, 
I'm the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive. I can't wait to get to that verse this afternoon. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. Write the things which thou hast seen, the things which are, and the things which shall be hereafter. The mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right hand and the seven golden candlesticks. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven candlesticks which thou sawest are the seven churches. God bless your eternal word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. The revelation of Jesus Christ. Uh, This study is going to be different than what you're expecting, I would imagine. Uh, the word revelation, is, is, is the Greek word is apocalypsis, which is where we get our word apocalypse. Uh, apocalypse, when you hear that, that word, that name apocalypse, it, it, there's been movies and uh, there's been books written uh, that, that portray bad things. I mean, I, I think of the word apocalypse and I'm thinking of explosions. I'm thinking about nuclear fallout. I'm, I'm thinking about famine and pestilence and disasters and all this stuff. But you know what? That's a bad, that is a bad rendering of this word. Uh, that is not, that is not the definition of this word. That is not the meaning of this word. The word apocalypse or apocalypsis, which we have translated the word revelation, means unveiling or appearing a manifestation of something, an unveiling, an uncovering of it. Uh, in other words, in other words, if this pulpit had a sheet over it and you walked in uh, and you were never here before, you wouldn't know what was underneath this this sheet. And and as as we take that sheet off of this this object, we are unveiling or uncovering what is there. And according to the Word of God, this is not the revelation of John. Some people have called it the revelation of John, but it is the revelation, the uncovering. The uh, listen, the appearing, the manifestation of Jesus Christ. If you are taking notes this morning, write this down. Number one, I want you to see the presentation of the book. We're going to preach the first three verses this morning and teach the rest this afternoon. The presentation of the book. Listen, we we are going to study the subject of Revelation. The presentation, we see a presentation of its subject. What is the subject of Revelation? It is Jesus Christ. It says in verse number one, the revelation or uncovering, unveiling of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. This book is a book of endings. It is a book of completion. Uh, Genesis is a book of beginnings. Revelation is a book of endings. Death came in Genesis. Resurrection and life. Death ends in Revelation. Listen, I want you to understand that sorrow came in Genesis, but sorrow goes away in Revelation. Revelation is a consumption and, and a commencement, a completion of everything there is. Revelation is an uncovering of Jesus Christ. Your word that you have in your hand, the Bible, the word of God that you have in your hand, it is all about Christ. The Old Testament and the New Testament. You look in the Old Testament and you find He's coming, He's coming, He's coming, He's coming. Listen, the typology that's in the Old Testament, all the pictures of Him, Joseph is one of the greatest types of Christ in the Bible. When Isaac was going up the side of that hill with the wood on his back, it is a 
great type of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the whole Testament said, He's coming, He's coming, He's coming. The prophet said, And a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and ye shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. He's coming, He's coming, He's coming. There will be one who will be rejected and despised of men. He had borne our sorrows. He had, listen, He was wounded for my transgressions. He's coming, He's coming, He's coming. Then one day on the side of a hill, the angels proclaimed to shepherds in the field, saying, Behold, we bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. He's here. He's here. He's here. And boy, the Gospels record his life. The Gospels record everything about him and what he did, the way he lived, the way he acted, the way he behaved. And listen, in Acts chapter number 1, the Bible says he ascended back up into heaven and went back to do what he said he would do in John 14. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. He took a cloud and went straight to glory and the angels said unto them why gaze you standing listen why you standing gazing up into heaven the same one that went up he's coming back in the same manner from Acts chapter number 1 all the way to Revelation 22 he's coming again he's coming again he's coming again 1 Thessalonians 4 16 for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first, and we which are alive and remain shall be gathered together to be with them in the clouds. He's coming again. He's coming again. The whole Bible is a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ, but, but revelation goes deeper. Revelation goes deeper and, and reveals more about Christ than you would know. Listen, it reveals more about Christ than what was in the Gospels. More about Christ than what was in the Old Testament. Listen, the subject of this book, Brother Scott, the subject of this book is the Lord Jesus Christ. Some of you here today are looking for the mark of the beast. You came this morning looking for the Antichrist. You came this morning to see if I would tell you whether Obama was him. He ain't. Let's just get that out of the way. He's not. The Antichrist is going to come out of the revised Roman Empire. Listen, Obama's not him. You came to see the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Listen, what I want you to see is Jesus Christ. Boy, if we could draw closer to him, if we could learn more about him, if we could be more like him. I talked with an individual this week that invited him to church. They didn't go to church anywhere. I said, oh, if you just knew how much he loved you. If you, it doesn't matter what other people do. It doesn't matter what other people say. Other people are going to be judgmental. Listen, don't worry about them. Jesus said, I love you. And boy, if there's anything I want you to get from this study, there's a greater knowledge and understanding of Jesus Christ. So how do you know it's all about him? Well, he says so. It's the revelation, the un unveiling, the uncovering of Jesus Christ. It is what God the Father chose to reveal to you about his son. 
Revelation is one of the only books in the Bible that has an outline to, to divide it and describe the whole book. Uh, it says in verse number, is it verse 11? What's verse 11 say, Brother Kendrick? Verse 11, I believe. Keep on down. Go where it says, write the things which thou, I think it's the second to the last verse. Write the things which thou hast heard. 19, hallelujah. God specifically tells John, this is what I want you to write. I want you to write the things which thou hast seen. That's chapter 1. I want you to write the things which are, or in other words, present time. That's chapters 2 and 3. Those are seven letters to the seven churches. And by the way, you're going to hear the number 7 a bunch of times. 7 means completing. 7 means completion, fullness. All right? Seven letters to those seven churches. That is the present day. We are right now living in the church age. Say amen if you, if you understand that. We are in the church age. We are in the age of grace. We are in the age where, where uh, uh, Stephen said, Father, forgive them. Uh, lay not this sin to their charge. Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. But there's coming a day after the age of grace during the tribulation period where the, the martyrs who are being killed said, God, how long will you not avenge our deaths? We're in the age of grace. Thank God for grace. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. For by grace are you saved through faith that not of yourself it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. We're in the age of grace. This is the present day. And we're going to go into detail about that. I believe we're in the, I believe we're in the very last, the very last of those seven churches. I believe we're in the very last of those seven periods of time during the church history from the, from the very apostolic church of the book of Ephesus there in the, in the time of Acts and Peter and John and, and Paul. And now we are in the Laodicean church age. I believe we're in the age of lukewarmness. I believe we are in the age where people, uh, listen, churches who have much money say, hey, we've got plenty. And Jesus says, you're bankrupt and poor. You think you've got it all together, but you're blind and naked and cannot see. He said, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will hear my voice and come out, listen, open the door, I will come unto him and sup with him and he with me. I really, with all of my heart, believe with all of my heart that we are in a day when churches have Jesus on the outside of the door. He said, write the things which are. We see the first thing, and I'm staying on, I'm not running the rabbit, y'all. I'm not running the rabbit. The subject of the book is Jesus Christ. Chapter one is his character. Chapters 2 and 3 is his church, his church. Chapters 4 through 22 is his coming, his coming. From chapter 4 all the way to 22, you find the coming of the Lord. I believe we're going to study the coming in the rapture and coming in the second coming when he comes back in Revelation 19 on a white horse to rule and reign on this earth. Somebody say amen. amen. The subject of the book is Jesus. Listen, chapter 1 is the vision the vision, chapters 2 and 3 is the vocation, the vision that describes him, the vocation that displays him. That's us. Do you realize you and I are the body of Christ? When this lost world sees you and me, they're supposed to see Christ. When they see you face difficulty, do they see Christ? When they see you face hardships, do they see Christ? When they see you working and living and being, do they see Christ? Because the church is the vocation that displays Him. We're the body of Christ. 
not only the vision that describes him in chapter 1, but the vocation that displays him, chapters 2 and 3, that's the church. But then chapters 4 through 22, we see what, what I put for there. Let me, let, me, let me write. My memory is leaving me. That is the victory that denotes him. The victory that denotes him. What does that mean? It looked real bad on the cross. I mean bad. Matter of fact, it threw most of the disciples into a depression. It looked awful on the cross. But surprise, surprise, surprise. Listen, you are looking on TV and you see Christians being ridiculed. I have never seen a TV show that didn't make the Christian in the show look like the biggest doofus of the show. I need a witness. Satan, I believe with all my heart, he's the prince of the power of the air. TV goes over the air. I believe he's controlling that and doing it in a strategic way so as to make homosexuality seem normal, to make shacking up just seem like it's just part of the thing. It's no problem. There's no issue. If you've got a problem with it, you're just an old fuddy-duddy. And and they want to make the Christian who stands out look like the biggest ignorant fool that has ever been and that they are outdated and they don't know what they're talking about. It looks bad in the culture. It looks bad on TV. It looks bad. It seems like the abortionists and the sinners of this world are winning. But let me tell you, honey, we shall overcome. It may look bad, but Jesus says on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. There will be a day that the Antichrist will step forward and he'll think he has the tiger by the tail. He'll think he is in control and everything's going his way. And then Revelation 19 is going to come forward and Jesus Christ will come to rule and reign and bring victory upon this earth. Give praise and glory. The subject of this book The subject of this book is Jesus Christ. As we go through this book, don't look for the Antichrist. He'll be there. Don't look for the mark of the beast. It'll be there. Don't look for the things that most people want to find out. Look for Jesus. Look to know him better. Look to learn about him. Know who he is and what he means to you. Church, say amen. Amen. We see the presentation of its subject, then, then B, the presentation of its scope. The presentation of its scope. He said, to show unto his servants, to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. Shortly come to pass. From the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, we have been thrown into the last days. You see it many times throughout the, excuse me, the New Testament where it is referred in these last days. It is said that it is high time We wake out of sleep, for the night is far spent, and the day is at hand. Are y'all with me? That's why Jesus said, today is the day of salvation. Listen, if I was here, and I didn't know Christ as my personal Savior, and I wasn't sure that I was saved, I promise you this, I would get in while the getting's good. Well, I'll just get in with, no. My cousin, I got a call last night. Sister, you here? No panic. Do you know anything about that? You do know about that, so you, okay, all right. I didn't want to say it and then you, so you know about it. My cousin, uh, 
we're family. We're tight. When we talk, something happens to family. We, we freaks us out. We can't take that. Amen. But I got a call from my sister last night, and, uh, and uh, she says, what happened to Randy? I said, I don't know. What are you talking about? She said, well, I seen on Facebook where they said, Randy, you're in our prayers. So, you know, right away I go to trying to get phone calls, find out what the deal was, got, got my Aunt Gracie's number, and uh, I called Aunt Gracie, and I said, what's up with Randy? I, I seen somewhere that they want us to pray for him. Well, he shot himself. I said, what? Yeah, shot him in the finger. Just a clue, people. If, if you... I hope Aunt Gracie don't get this neither. We'll block this out. Of, if somebody shoots them in the finger, don't say they shot themselves. I said, if he's trying to kill himself, he a bad shot, y'all. He was cleaning his gun. He was cleaning his gun... The boy's had guns his entire life. I mean, Uncle Herbert let him shoot guns even before me and Joe was allowed. I mean, his whole life. He had a BB gun with a diaper. Say amen. His whole life. Honest to God. I can imagine the trip to the hospital with my Uncle Herb in the truck. Oh, God, help us. He was cleaning his gun. Cleaning his gun. Forgot he had bullets in the clip. Shot himself right, a shot through the hand, had to go in and clean it all out. I mean, it's a bad deal. It, it... But the point is this. It could have just as easily shot itself in the heart. I talked to him, I talked to him a few months ago, or the last reunion we had. He had, had a couple lumps that he was concerned about, scared to death. Maybe it might be cancer. And he had an aunt die of cancer at a very young age, and... Boy, God was dealing with him, and I witnessed to him, and I put it on him hard, just as hard as I could go. Son, you need, God might be, well, everything went fine, and it was a negative situation, so we just rock on. I told Aunt Grace, I said, God's getting his attention. I said, you tell him that, and when I get through and I get back from Florida, I'm going to go tell him that. The point is this, you're not promised tomorrow. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day. The time is at hand. Things which must shortly come to pass. That, if you study that out, that means, that means when it begins to take place, it's going to take place quickly. How many of you have noticed the fact that when, the older you get, the faster things go? I thought, Brother Chris, I thought I'd never turn 16 to drive a car. I, I mean, it was like an eternity. It was like molasses frozen in a pipe. It just would not ever. But now I, I get through, I blow a birthday cake out yesterday, and tomorrow I got a new birthday. I don't know what that is. What does that mean? God is telling us we're swiftly running out of time. The presentation of its subject, of its scope. The number two. Number two. I want you to see the penman of this book. I hope I don't cry. The penman of this book. Everybody's, everybody's familiar with John. 
Everybody's familiar with him. He was, if you're writing notes, I want you to see the pattern that he exampled. The pattern that he exampled. His life was such an incredible testimony of what we need to be. John was the one who would lean against the Lord Jesus Christ to be close to him. I mean, to, to hear his very heartbeat and the way he described uh, himself there in John. And you say, well, that was awful arrogant. But he said, I'm the disciple who Jesus loved. And it's not meaning that he didn't love all the rest of them. But John in his writing was saying, hey, it's not important that you know me. It's not even important that you know my name. My name don't mean anything. All you need to know is that Jesus loved me. What humility and humbleness. And he could be trusted by the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus trusted him with his own mother when he was dying on the cross. He said, John, you take her and take care of her. And he entrusted, he knew he had confidence in John that he could trust him. It was John that was there. Listen, it was John in the boat when Peter and all the rest of them went and said, we're going back fishing and they were on the shore and they seen Jesus on the shore and nobody knew who he was but John recognized him first because of the close relationship that they had. Preacher, what are you saying? John was there when nobody was there. John was one of the inner three. Listen, John had a relationship like no other. John... The Bible says he was in the Isle of Patmos for the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. What do you mean? He was being punished for preaching the gospel. He knew he was, he was John was during a period of time, uh, during a period of time when Domitian, the, the Roman Caesar, who was probably one of the most cruel Caesars that there was, they had, as a matter of fact, matter of fact, he said he wanted everybody to bow down and worship him. But John said, the Lord Jesus Christ is my master and savior. I'm not going to bow down to any other. He is the only name that we must preach and serve. And he was banished to an island, an island of Patmos. I began to study this out and getting ready for this. And, and, and Patmos, Patmos was a penal colony that the Romans used to banish people to exile them out. Now this is 60 years, 60 years after the ascension of Christ. Now imagine this. Now you gotta, you gotta put on your, your thinking cap for just a second. Imagine preaching the gospel for 60 years. Preaching the gospel with everything you have, risking your life, risking your finances, risking everything you have to preach the gospel. You are an old man now. You have been doing it for 60 years and now you are sitting in a lonely, dark cave in an island cut off from the world, come off, listen, cut off from the churches that you love, cut off from the ministry that you love. He is going through intense persecution. He said, I am your brother and companion in tribulation. I mean the one who laid his head on the breast of Christ to hear his heartbeat. The one who was walking with Christ and talking with Christ. Who was most familiar with Christ. He is going through great persecution. I believe God was teaching me, studying this chapter, that, that no matter how close you are to Christ, that doesn't make you immune to difficulty. But Christ, I go to church. But Christ, I pay my tithes. But Christ, I even go visit the sick. Why is my children going crazy? Why did I lose my job? 
Why is my house at risk? Listen, why is all this going on to me? Listen, you've got to understand, John was in a cave. He was in a very dark place. Some of you are going through it right now. I know. I'm hearing it every day. Every day. I mean, financially, it's just a mess right now. And you know what? The devil will creep up on your shoulder. How you know that? I got saddle sores. He's been riding me like a horse. And I know, I know. And smart aleck preachers, I heard, well, if the devil's riding you, you need to take the saddle off. I didn't put it on. I've been looking for the strap for all week long. Amen. I'll take it off. Sometimes preachers can be the most ignorant people I've ever heard. Including me. Scott, I... I Brother Buchanan, he ain't in here, is he? Uh, uh, it's not bad. I just wondered if he was in here. Uh, we were sitting over in the foyer, or, uh, waiting on the pastor's breakfast, and, and a song came on. And it reminded me, it reminded me of, of something I said while I was preaching about... It wasn't about this person, but it reflected on that. That got up and sang a song at Brother Shockley's church one time. And I just sat there, and I said, you idiot. Because I remembered what I said during that message. It was eat up with my tradition. Didn't have any biblical sense whatsoever. And I thought about that. And here we are in places we don't understand. And people come and they want to tell you the answer. You know what? I have come to find out, Brother Ken, it's okay to say, I don't know. I don't know. Well, don't you have an answer? You're the preacher. Nope. I don't have an answer to this. That's why the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 3, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. If you go to that guy that always has the answer, you're going to the wrong guy. Tammy must be injecting me with truth serum or something in the morning. Because this is crazy. I mean, before I wake up in the morning, she must be jigging me with that and something. Just to make sure. Sometimes there's not going to be a, a human answer to a supernatural problem. There's no doubt in my mind John sat and was wondering what in God's name is going on. So what are you getting at? The pattern of his life, but then the persecution that he endured. But then I want you to see this. I said that to say this. The Bible is very true. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. The devil thought he had him. The devil thought he had, he had won the battle. 
Ha, ha, ha. You don't have churches to help you now. Ha, ha, ha. You don't have anybody to minister to now. Ha, ha, ha. Where's God at now? What are you going to pray about now? What are you going to do now? Listen, he'll, he'll crawl up on your shoulder and listen, things will come in dues, things will be late, uh, the doctor will tell you bad news and all this stuff and the first thing to do, devil will jump on your back and say, where is God now? They arrest Daniel to throw him in the den of lions and he said, where is God now? They get the three Hebrew children and ready to throw them in a fiery furnace and the devil's saying, where is God now? Lazarus dies. Lazarus is sick. I mean, he's wheezing, taking his last breath, and he can't breathe, and he dies. And the devil said to Mary and Martha, where was Jesus? You got the word to him. If he really cared about you, he would be here. I seen him heal the blind. I seen him heal the lame. I seen him heal the palsy people. He didn't love you enough to be here. Where is God now? Where is God now, Job? You've lost all your finances, Job. Where is God now? You've lost all your children, Job. Where is God now? Job, you don't even have a good relationship with your wife. Where is God now? You can't even get up in the morning without hurting of every inch of your body. Where is God now? Where is God now? John, it's dark in here. Where is God? John, you spent 60 years of your life serving him. Where is God now? Then all of a sudden, John said... I never lost my hope. I never lost my praise. See, how do you know he said that? Because John said, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. What was he doing? He said, it may be dark. I feel a little God right there. Amen. You may have to sing that again, Miss Kathy. I'm telling you, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. It was dark in this cave, but I'm going to have church. I don't know what's going on, but I'm going to have church. I don't know where I'm going from here, but I'm going to have church. And I believe he began to sing with all of his might. He began to quote word that God had told him. And all of a sudden, when he was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, Jesus said, I can't take it no more. Man, I've got something to share with you. Amen. The privilege that he enjoyed. Listen, the three Hebrew children went through the fiery furnace, but the Bible says there was a fourth one walking around with them. You may go through the fire, but it may be the opportunity that God gives you the privilege of knowing him better than you've ever known him before. Listen, Job... Job, in the very last chapter, when God uncovered himself and who he really was and his majesty and his might, Job said, my goodness, I didn't even know what I was saying. I've heard about you with my ears, but now I see you with my eyes. I see you now what a privilege is to know who you are. Mary and Martha... Martha is there confronting the Lord Jesus Christ and said, if you had been here, my brother had not died. If you'd have just been here, where was you at? He died. You could have done something. You're a great physician. You're a great doctor. You are a healer. You could have done something. Jesus said, everything is going to be all right. He's going to get up again. And Martha said, I know at the resurrection. He said, honey, that's exactly why I died. So you could see that I am the resurrection. I am the life. And he walked into that grave, brought him out of the grave and said, Lazarus, come forth. But if they hadn't have gone through the darkness, they would have never seen Christ as the resurrection. It was not in the great time that John wrote Revelation. It was in the cave. 
So I don't know what you're all excited about because I've been in a cave lately. Miss Brenda, it's been dark around your neighborhood, hasn't it? But that's okay. That's okay, honey. You're going to see him. You already have. You've seen him in your small group. You've seen him in the friends that's brought food. You've seen him in the phone calls and the cards. You've seen the body of Christ like you've never seen him before. Preacher, what are you saying? See, the devil come and haunted me all week long. Saying, you're making a mistake. You don't need to do this. They ain't going to understand you. This is, this is a hard book. They go, you're going to scare them to death. My God, I wish I could go into tonight. Already. Jesus said, fear not. <laughs> That's tonight. Just come back. Don't quit till you have the privilege of seeing him like you've never seen him before. Oh, we want to quit. I want to quit. Get to the place, God, I can't take it no more. It never ends. Lord, when this gets fixed, then this tears up. When this gets straightened out, this person over here gets ignorant. But God said, don't quit. Because you're fixing to have the privilege of seeing something unbelievable. John saw him touch a dead man, come to life. John saw him turn water into wine. John saw him touch a little lad's lunch and feed thousands. John saw him walking on the water. John said, he said, peace, be still. John saw all kind of things. But he never saw what he saw when he was in the cave. When he was going through the darkest hour of his life, he had the greatest revelation of Christ or uncovering manifestation of Christ in his life than ever before. Preacher, what are you saying? The old saying, it's always darkest before the... Don't quit. Say, I don't know how to do it anymore. At that point, I'm at the end of my rope. Tie a big old knot. And just hold on. Church, say amen. Amen. Number three. The promise of the book. He said, blessed. Blessed. Is he that readeth. I believe technically, I believe technically, he's talking about the lector or the person that would go around. See, they didn't have many copies of the Bible like we have. I mean, everybody's got them. We got three or four of them. I got one in every room in my house. We've got them all over the place. I mean, we got them here. 
Got a lot of them and lost and found. You ought to check it out sometime. But uh, they didn't have that then. I mean, nobody, nobody had the word. So one person would go and they would read it for this congregation and they would take the word and they would go and then they would read. And, and God is saying, blessed is he that's going to be reading this. But I believe you can apply it to every single person who breaks that book open and begins to read it. Now here's the deal. There's basically a threefold, and I'm done. This, this is it right here. There is a threefold necessity in getting this blessing. How many of y'all can stand to be blessed? God knows I need a blessing. I do. Every area of my life, I need God to bless it. I just need to. I want an apocalyptic blessing. Amen. But what's it going to take to get it? Look at this verse. Look at this verse. Verse 3. Blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear the words of this prophecy, and keep those things which are written therein. The book of Revelation is, is probably the only book in the Bible who begins with a promise and ends with a promise. In Revelation 1, 3, it says, Blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear the words of this prophecy, and those that keep, or keep those things which are written therein for the times at hand. At the end of the book, in Revelation 22, 7, it says, Behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the prophecy of this book. Now, let me give you three quick things real quick. Just write these down, and we'll pray. And we're going to worship a little bit. If you want the blessing... How many want the blessing again? Be honest. Don't tell no story. I want God to bless me. First thing, you got to read it. You got to make an attempt. Now, we're going to read it in here, but if I was you, I'd read chapter 1. I'd read chapter 1 over and over and over again this week. I'd, listen, as we go through it, you need to read what we're reading. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. Paul told Timothy, give exhortation to reading. Reading. I don't like to read. I'm not real fond of it myself. I don't know how to read. Get it on tape. Get it on tape. But the thing is, you've got to get it in here. But there's a second key. That's the first step. That's the first step. Very important. We've got to make an effort. But the second thing, not only do we read it, but B, we receive it now when it says when it says they that hear the words of this prophecy that don't mean it came through your ear canal and you got it that's not what that means it's even deeper than that there's many times through the the, the book of revelation you're going to find this phrase he that hath an ear let him hear in other words in other words it's this lord help me to explain this where they can understand it it means this that You've got to have a willing heart to believe and act upon what you're hearing. If you are here as a skeptic, if you are here as a critic, if you are here trying to figure out just like they did with the Lord Jesus Christ, you're wasting your time. If you're here to try to pick apart what's being said, trying to pick apart truth and trying to pick apart what the Bible says, you're wasting your time. But if you come with a willing heart, a willing mind, a willing spirit, an open heart, and saying, Lord, reveal to me your truth, reveal to me what the Scripture says, that is an ear that can hear. 
The Bible says in the New Testament that they received the Word as of the Word of God, not of men. In other words, they were ready, willing, and able. Sometimes there are people that come in here, they cross their arms, they say, you can say whatever you want to say, I know what I know, I know what I believe, and don't even allow the Holy Ghost room to work in their heart. Listen, the only thing that's going to happen to you is you're going to get harder and harder and harder. And instead of being pricked in the heart like they were in Acts chapter number 2, you'll be cut to the heart like they were with Stephen's preaching because you will not hear what God has to say. So, I heard a, I heard a statement that says, the mind is like a parachute. It only works when it's open. Uh, the great philosopher, Joseph Cyrus Carter. That's my brother, by the way. He said this, and I've never forgotten it. My brother, he should have been a debater because he loves to argue. As far as that goes, I do too. You know, I mean, and, and, and we could get on a subject and just, I mean, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And uh, you're a good arguer if you always think you're right. Because you're going to keep arguing until, you know, it's just part of it. And he, you know, he was always that way. And, uh, well, I went down to visit one time, and I said something that I knew he would disagree with. And he said, whatever. I said, what'd you say? He said, whatever. I said, no, really, what, what'd you say? He said, whatever, whatever you want to say. I said, you ain't got nothing to say. He said, Malcolm, a mind changed against its will is of the same opinion still. <laughs> I said, alien, get out of my truck and where's my brother? What'd you say? He said, a mind changed against its will is of the same opinion still. In other words, if you're bound and determined to believe something, it don't matter what I say. Don't make up your mind till you hear from God. I heard another good one too. If you see two people arguing, Neither one know what they're talking about. We're getting very philosophical this morning, aren't we? <laughs> you know why the man said that? He said, because if just one knows what they're talking about, they won't even argue about it. I thought, hmm. Now think about that. Josh, what color is this carpet? What color is it? Now, if I say that carpet's red, you ain't going to argue with me because you're going to, that fool's blind. Because <laughs> you know it's blue. The point is this. When you come to hear from God, and I'm not saying take my word for it. Do what the Scriptures say. Search the Scriptures daily to see if these things be so. But I promise you this, if you come here with an open mind, say, God, speak to me. 
Forget about what you've been told. Forget about tradition. Forget about the past. Just say, God, you teach me. There are great commentaries and great Bible theologians and, and scholars that are smart people. But I was challenged with this a few months ago by a friend of mine. He said, take your Bible and study your Bible. Set the commentaries aside for a little bit and just study your Bible and let God speak to you. That is, that is incredible. The greatest commentary for the Bible is the Bible. Church, say amen. If you want a blessing, make an attempt. Be here to hear it. Read it. But come with a heart saying, God, speak to me. Now, if you do have that heart, this is what's going to happen. That third part. You're not only going to read it, you're going to receive it. But then you're going to say it with me. Rehearse it. The Bible says, keep those things which are written therein. As we go through this book, I want God to say, if it's like the church of Ephesus, if I've left areas of my life that I need to, I need to focus on, like my love and affection for him, I need to say, okay, I need to get back to doing that. He said, remember from whence thou art fallen, repent and do thy first works, or else I will come quickly and remove thy candlestick out of his place. In other words, God has given an admonition to that church, and if we are hearing that and we are guilty of that, then we need to rehearse that. If I have left my first love, if I, have, if I have gotten to a place in my life that I go to church because I'm supposed to, if I go to church because that's what Mama did, if I go to church and, and I'm just there to go through the motions because I know that I'm not there because I am deeply in love with the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not there because I am affectionate about the things of God and I am passionately want to serve God in my life. Then I need to repent and go back to doing what I was before. See, you're going to learn things as we go through this book that God is trying to help you, God is trying to teach you, God is trying to motivate you and, and mold you into the, the image of His Son. And if you go into this book with a ready mind, if you go into this book with a, with a, 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 a dedication to read this book and to receive the words, and then, God, I'm going to do what I read, your life will be changed forever. How many of y'all know God can't lie? I need some more hands than that. How many of y'all know God can't lie? If he said he'll bless you, he'll bless you. That is the very reason Satan has rode me all week long. Because he don't want them blessed. Every head bowed, every eye closed.